the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Hello and welcome once again. My name is Eamon Baker and today's interviewee is John Porter. John works at Garden Outdoor Pursuit Centre. He talks about growing up in this city right in the mouth of the Troubles and how Outdoor Pursuits was in some ways his salvation, his way through. John, you're in the 1980s. You'd have been a teenager. Suppose the troubles are going on the go since '68, you could say. From where I lived in Rosemount and going to school, that's kind of my first initial thing of, of the troubles. The fact that you had to go primary, primary school even, because you went up the past Rosemount factory, and then you cut down left, and then there's a, a big tower there, and then you went over towards Helen Street. Need another turn and down Helen Street, and the Rose, it was Rosemount boys then. Yeah. Every day. Going and come from school, you'd have stopped and threw a couple of stones up and shouted. Didn't know what you were shouting, Brits go home and all that there. And then, but it was just a natural thing, though. Some days you did it, some days you didn't. And the first time I ever got kind of, not arrested, but lifted, if you think. I think I was about nine, ten. And I, I, how I mind it was my aunt came over from America and she bought me this, like a leather school bag big thing with like wings you had to strap it over both shoulders I hated it oh I hated it because of my mass like alright I'll take it to school and I mind being late one morning for school and going up and throwing stones at the first lookout post this is the Rosemount Barracks Rosemount Barracks and then you had to go up past the main gate and then on to Helen Street and turn down Helen Street and could hear you the soldiers shouting out up the next thing you heard the big bolts in the gates opening and it was the first time I seen a black soldier, and they were standing in the middle of the street. You're mine, you're mine, the English accent. You're mine. I'm going to get you. You're coming in with us. And I mind looking. The, the only way I could see was between his legs and down Helen Street, and away I'd go. This all planned. Sure as God, I got through his legs, but the school bag didn't. Ah. The school bag caught the big wings in the school bag caught, and I mind him lifting me up and looking on it, and on his big eyes. And he says, right, you're all ours now. And I started to cry. I said, I'll use, I'll use it crying. Oh, my sir. But I was, no, I'm looking back at it now, no. And, and he closed the gate. Oh, you're going to stay here now and we're going to kick you in. And I said, I'm well, sorry, I'll never throw another stone. I must, it felt like an, an hour, but it was probably only five minutes. Are you, if we let you go, you'll throw no. Allah, I swear to God, I'll never throw a stone. Just let me go. Don't tell me, ma. Sure as God, he opened the gate and he kicked me in the arse. And I mind lumping out round the corner. Sure as I seen a red brick, I lifted it and threw it back up <laughs> and ran down Helen Street. That was it. You no, know, it was stones and all that there. And then going to secondary school, it was the same thing up in the St. Joe's. Mm. Then it was just one book. You'd one book going to school. On a Friday was always a big day. The rioting would start or they'd come up in a couple of jeeps and wait for all the boys getting out of school. And then they'd wait for you? They'd wait for well, the whole school to come out. Mm. And then they'd drive up and down or they'd send the pigs up. Up and down Westway? Up and down Westway, just to entice the us. So by the time you got down, Dark Shop used to be in the opposite corner as it was then, on that side. Oh. So we'd all go on through our books behind the door, front door in Dark Shop, all our, our one jotters, and say the, and, and the Wellers bag, because if it was raining during the winter, you put your jotter inside the Wellers bag, so that went down round the back of the door. And then, the, if you're first or second year, you're kind of sent to get bottles. 
go you get the bottles and who would say I need to get the that's bottles that's all the other boys the other boys and then kind of as you got up to the school the older you got to school the closer you got the front line and kind of semi-organised if you want like oh God, it was harmless like it was just bottles and stones and and then you always knew when there's a new set of soldiers in up in the barracks because they'd come out with the riot shields and you'd hear them shouting all their orders and forward and the battering the, the shields and all the, the things you'd always get up and look underneath the shields because if the trainers or runners on they were a snatchy squad and they'd walk up get up close and they'd, one, you'd hear one of the other boys say run snatchies and everybody just tear next thing you'd see five or six of these young soldiers coming out like like what do you call them one of the Olympic runners out uh, uh, with a baton. Run up Westway? Uh, they run at the crowd, they try and grab two or three. Uh-huh. And as they grab them, start dragging them back, and then the guys with the riot shields will come on around them. And that's how they were lifting it. And nine times out of ten, they'd get you in behind the riot shields and hit you a couple of slaps and rather than drag you the whole way back and then let you go again. Like. But it was. You ever caught? Me? Never got that close. I was last on my feet. Like. I'd have never wore shoes to school, it was always trainers. Nobody wore shoes in days. What date were you born? That was October 65. The primary school that you're, t- when you're talking about, you're, you're maybe 65? Sorry, sorry, 75? Mm. Rosemount Boys, I. And then up to St. Joe's, late 70s? Mm. Early 80s? I left St. Joe's, I think it was 81, 82, I think. 81's hunger strike year? Ah, I mean, being grounded in the house. My ma, especially like Bratton and Bunnelands, when the house was getting raided and all this here, and, and it got to the stage where I would have a, a set of clothes hid in Brook Park so that we could go down to riots. People go out down the town now, you know, in the early teens, or they're sitting on the street drinking or doing drugs. To us, it was right, meet you about half seven, eight o'clock, and you're grounded, so you go up the room and you sneak out. I'd always sneak out the back door and over the back wall and the Brook where Park. Where were you living? Rosemount Avenue. Yeah. No, it was just couple of doors down from the chemist of course yeah, so if I, went, if I went up the back lane I had like an old semi-made ladder there was all weeds in the corner we left it up and then that would get you into used to be the tennis courts mm. well even before it was the tennis courts it was a bit of green and there down through Brook Park put your clothes on usually one of the big bushes at the pond and then you went out over the other wee small gate on the Craigan Street and then down on the bog you were there were you doing that job as a political thing or as a social thing? As a bit of both for me, it was a social thing, it was getting out with the boys and it was a bit of crack and banter, no. For a majority it was right, let's make sure everybody's safe. And no. when you say the bog, do you mean down at the Roswell Street corner with Roswell Street? Street corner and the Sackville Street, no. Yeah. And sometimes you you know went down and it'd been all quiet and none happening. But see during the hunger strikers you're nearly guaranteed somewhere along the line. And you might have had a wait, and then it's all how long you would stay out for. And they're kind of like shifts. It was really funny because working shifts, you always down with a crowd of boys, and then they'd all have to go, maybe. And then maybe the older boys were coming in, and then you had the ones then coming out of the pubs, maybe at half ten, eleven, to mm. join in. It was a social thing. And there was a big thing of camaraderie. It was look after. You know, if there's five of us went down, right. Make sure the, five come back. If we split up. We, we meet here and then we'll, we'll head back up through Burke Park or whatever or if anything hangs at 11 o'clock be it dark shop and then we know then 11 o'clock if there one is wasn't there there's no such thing as mobile phones then it was right back down because there was always that fear if you nearly get lifted or you get hit there like at the start it was rubber bullets and 
we used to dance in the street to get them to shoot rubber bullets so they were like wee souvenirs in it mm. I only ever got hit once by a rubber bullet and that was crossing do you mind the garage used to be at the top of William Street aye uh, Marcus Wilson there was a garage Marcus Harrison and mind everybody saying they're putting a, a petrol station for us at the top of William Street <laughs> so we won't need to stop a car for petrol now we've got the petrol station but a riot started and we came down round from a little diamond round there and the garage always closed at that stage and I was running across William Street the corner out there and they were at the is it Abbey Street as you come out of Craig Union yeah the, the soldiers were there and the jeeps were across the road there and as I ran across you'd hear the bangs all the time and you just duck your head but it just caught me in the, just above the top of the calf and I mind a poor edit like a ballet dancer because I was running so as I left kind of my left foot hit the ground and hit my right leg above a calf and just poor edit me round I fell but like that four or five hands came out and grabbed me before I knew it I was up the other side of the cathedral and that's what he'd done mm. no there's that right there let's get them up was there any real sense John that you know I know that in the riots and during the hunger strike there was a man killed mm. in around William Street he was from Craigan uh, I can't remember his name at this moment he was from Craigan he was from Benedict Gardens had you a sense of danger that this could be people could be shocked not really any time that there was going to be shooting the word always came through you know there's always somebody came around going right back off back off back off but as far as danger goes no it was get home and and the third fourth year before petrol bombs and that you were never anybody younger and that, it was that kind of organized no uh, give me that there get that petrol bomb off that young there look all the size of him and it was the older boys were looking after the younger boys so you had kind of earned your right to get up they start throwing petrol bombs and stuff like that there you mean as you describe it it's, it sounds like it's good crack but actually what you're describing is people throwing bricks and stones and bottles at other human beings some of whom may get injured and you're doing this because there's almost like a, like a community uprising mm. but it was like that no and the thing about it was there was i'd say way down the line maybe for the older boys in there during them rights it was all let's get them let's put the army out of there they can't rule us and, and all that there and the political thing was there for them the younger boys for us it was just down had a crack with the boys we're up with the big boys we're throwing stones and we're doing our butt for the community let's get these fuckers out and and all that there and keep them going but nine times out of ten it was a, a nice crack like see without naming any names did you at that point then know people who were actively involved who may have been shooting or maybe planting devices oh aye. a lot of them i'd say out of my year in school when i left st joe's a dozen of them inside around my age group like did and you ever go up to prison to oh i i went up a couple of times up to crumlin road because they would have took them out of and done when they're up remand but they would have came on for a court date did and they get the visit well you would have got a visitor during your court visit hmm. so they might have came from the case and the crumlin road and when they're sitting with me going to court you would have got a visit Mm. so we could have got maybe seen two or three people on that day like as a handy way because if you went to the case you could only get one visit so you go and see one person mm. then you had to leave but on the crumlin road you could have went up and said look john porter reports was going to be contacting me during my visit on the crumlin road and that's the way you went and you'd seen two or three of them for me then i kind of well i'm thinking more people that went on the prison whose dads went on the prison and who went right that's it no they're not going to do that that give 
then the, the step over to say, right, I'm going to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And they volunteered more and got under it. Things that we done was through your trace and, and working with Joe and Higgs was kind of on board then and had a good strong bunch of friends that would have went away climbing all the weekends. But when the mountain rescue team moved from Bayview House on the waterside over in the Strand Road police station, I mind us so well. Because Joe was driving the bus and there's me, Higgs and Jairus in the bus. And we put all the, the, the stretchers in because he used to be based in our outdoor store. Mm. So we put the stretchers and all the stuff and all the rucksacks and the education bus. And went down the strand and as we turned to go on, getting closer to the strand road police station, the three of us got on the back and we lay down in the seats. Just that nobody, nobody seen would us see. see driving on. Because then there'd be no questions asked. Mm. So and because we were outdoors and, and, and that the mountain rescue team had started to involve the police because of the money they could bring to it and their radios and you know, the better equipment and that. About four or five months later then, we got a request that could we stand down from the mountain rescue team saying it would benefit the team if you could step back from being a member of the mountain rescue team. Who's that request coming from? Can you say? I can't mind his name, but it was uh, one of the guys that was on the police got on the board of the committee. And because of practising, a lot of policemen were in it, and the training and drills and that involved policemen. Like one of the times we were up in the Spearns, in the early times, there was, I think it was seven or eight policemen were involved. We were doing a search of the Spearns, mm-hmm. a training exercise. But every road you went on, there was a, an unmarked car, or there was a, a jeep. Basically because me and maybe two others that was on the team had the background of knowing people or being in the circle of certain people then we were deemed as like a, a possible threat to benefit the mountain rescue team. We were asked to step back. And did you? Yes. Well, if they don't want me, like I'm willing to give up my time. I'm willing to go out in the mountains morning or night. But if they think they can do it without me, that's okay. No, they're losing my, maybe skill, but not my enthusiasm. They're losing that. And increasing skill and commitment. Uh, oh, aye. And that, like, there's other ways. Like We used to do the searches down the foil. No, for, for people that maybe committed suicide, we used to do the kayak and down and round all the docks. Mine went, used to be all the, along the back of key there where the Mandarin Pass and all used to be. Well, there used to be the cranes and all used to go up and down the rails and the, the scrappy was there. And you could actually paddle in underneath the docks there. Yeah. And we used to go down in canoes and kayaks and go on through all them there looking for bodies. This is way before foil search and rescue. This is way before foil yeah. search and rescue. And it was kind of part of the foil paddlers. People knew that we five paddlers was there, so they might find someone say, look, my son or my brother, or look, the wife's brother has jumped on. He hasn't been seen. It was always the same kind of people. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't something that you enjoyed doing. But for me, it was again, kind of well, I'm doing something for somebody. Mm. No, maybe peace you, of mind. You're still, John, uh, at this period you're talking about, you're still in your teens. 17, 18, uh, mm. but, but something has happened in you. The, the outdoor pursuits... And the the climbing, the kayaking, mm-hmm. all those aspects of your pursuit have really caught fire. Oh, without a doubt. And the thing for me was, if I had the choice, right, you're going climbing the Kaldaf, or there's a big riot because it's the twelfth or whatever. Do you want to? No. Oh, I don't want climbing. And for me, it was the fact that it wasn't the fact of I don't want to go riding. I got a bigger buzz out of climbing and put myself out there. And then even if it was working with a group. The amount of times we'd have put a, a group on the bus to take them down for a weekend, down camping and climbing, called that. 
and just getting them away and the banter and the crack. Getting them away from the troubles was it oh, part of your mission? Oh I well not not even a mission, it was the youth clubs had them and said, Look, what can we do? He says, Right, let's go, let's we'll do a couple of days away here and we'll take and climb and see how many we get. And we made it started off. Then there was no such restrictions as how many it was how many can we get on the bus? Well there's none of this oh we've only fifteen seats plus a driver so we can only take fourteen people. Mm. Then it was all right, sit you on the floor, get you sitting Hasney mm. and we packed them on the bus. And we is you're now part of the team at the tech is it? Uh, well it would have been through the Western Education Board Youth Department. A lot of youth department work was done at weekends, midweek, and then we had the summer camps over the summer. So you've graduated from Youthways into this work yep. increasingly full time, trying to make your living. Well I was still I was still in the dole, maybe five, six years, the first five or six years. But what I was getting from that was I was getting my dole, but because I was kinda like you could say volunteering, the education board paid for me to go and do the courses. So like some of my kayak courses, my mountaineering, my rock climbing, the board said, well, look, if you're going to do it and help us out, then we'll pay for your course. So you're getting skilled up. I'm getting skilled getting up. Getting experiences. Uh, and then you start working with, with, with the likes of community groups and the likes of from everything from the Long Tower to Pilots Road to St. Mary's and Craigan. And then you're mixing in with, on the other side, was it the, the Protestant sides? No, you may have had to go out to maybe Eglinton, Youth Club and stuff like that are right up to new buildings and YMCA, stuff. The YMCA. The YMCA. Well, the YMCA drum wasn't there then, days, but it, there was a club out there at Farm Valley. A lot of that was on the going on the different busy Protestant youth clubs. And it's, it's funny, it's just one of how I got one of the classic stories that I tell everybody. I, I got a nickname Ports from school and Ports stuck with me. So, it, no, but what's your real name? Uh, and John Porter. And it wasn't. As, a, as more like a Protestant name than a Catholic name. So I started, I made up the story, I looked up, and Ports. Well, what, what, but what's your name? No, well, it's short for Portata. And you'd see the young people looking at you going, what is he on about? No, well, Portata's South African for boatman or sailor. I was kind of, I was born in South Africa and left in an orphanage and by a, a white sailor, apparently. So that the Irish missionary nuns named me Portata which is South African for a boatman or sailor. And they took me with them when I was about a year and a half back to Dublin in Ireland with the missionary nuns. And it was like being adopted in a care home. And then I went on to care in Belfast for a while and then I ended up and getting fostered in Derry. And with me telling them that story, they couldn't relate me to being a Catholic or a Protestant. Mm. I was in neutral. And all of a sudden, all the barriers dropped. And the more kind of times, and it would be certain youth clubs, you know, the hired ticket, especially when I started to work up in Belfast, you go to collect a youth club. What's your name, mate? And Ports, what do you mean? What type of name's that? Uh, South African. And I'd tell them that story. God, that's amazing. And, and you're a boatman sailor and you're taking us kegging. God, that's great. And it just broke down all the barriers. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Danny McFeely and Stephen Casey. No, my name's Stephen. If you says that there, oh, he's a take, he's he's a Catholic one, and and they can associate your name with your religion. But when I tell them that story, there's there's no thing there. So I got on really well with them, and mm. religion barely came into it. And then at that stage, like you, you're talking like we're eighteen, nineteen, pushing on the the twenties, and I get a job up in Belfast then, no, up Malay. Your first job. Well, I'd have worked with the edu- I got a youth scheme 
with a board down here and I worked the summer camps, I got paid for summer camps. Mm. But then uh, Dan McFeely was working on a Ganaway, a wee outdoor centre in Malay, County Down. And he says, me, look, I've got a space here, do you fancy coming up? I would have been 22 when I went to Ganaway because it was a hit, I was at the height of the tit-for-tat shootings. So when you say it was the, at the height of the tit-for-tat shootings in Belfast, to be invited up to County Down, Nervy? Uh, Nervy, but it ne- never related to me that I was going to be put in that situation. No, at the time it was all, it's a job. Mm. All right, I'm going to be away from Teresa and, and, and that, and it's going to be tight going because of you no know, Danny says, Look, you make it, especially over the summer, you might only get one weekend down home in a month. And I went, Right, no bar, so we'll give it a go and see how it goes. Okay. That whole thing about not knowing if a Catholic or Protestant seemed to work really well in Belfast because Ganaway was working with the, the primary school ages during the week, we had a primary school zone during the week, and then youth clubs at the weekend. And one of the first times we went up, a really staunch Protestant area, and I went on to collect them. We go on the youth board or youth money bus to collect them. And I drove up, and I came to a T junction. I kind of rolled down the window. I turned right. I mean, turned right, and looking for something. There's a wee woman standing at the bus stop, and I rolled down the window. No electric ones in, so he had to roll it down. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Love you, you don't know where such and such a youth club is." And she kind of looked up down the street, and then she kind of got the finger out in front of her chest, so nobody could see, and she pointed up the other side of the street. She doesn't say that, just pointed with a wee finger, kind of nearly hiding a finger. So I said, "Right, right, all right, love, thanks very much." And turned and went up the street, found a youth club anyway. And I was done this chat, and I said, "Look, we're just waiting a couple of young people to come there running late, but we're we're all here." And, and I was saying to the boys, "Look, I was down the other end of the street." This woman wouldn't even speak to me, she just kind of had her finger and pointed up, up this way. She says, no, he says, you're on the peace line there, he says, you're down Catholic area. She says, if she had a, been seen talking to you and then you driving up here, she says, they'd probably smash their windows in the house. No, so that's the height that you run it, it was really tense and all this. And I says, well, look, I'll tell you what, I started fearing in for the bus. I said, look, I'll go out and sit in the bus. So when you gather them all up, bring them all out, and they're sitting in the bus. I noticed when I was driving in, I said there like a couple of kids driving in, there's four or five kind of men, adults, in the corner of the, the street. And I went out to sit in the bus, and I was still on the grounds of the youth club. Boys disappeared around the corner. Two boys came around with balaclavas on them. I mind, is it even worth locking the door here? Or what? And I had the wonder half down, and I went to kind of wind back up the window again. And next thing, a couple of kids came out of hub. Ah, ports, ports, ports! Ah! Roll down, say, what's happening, Billy? Next thing, the two boys called one of the young fellas over. And I mind, they were about 20, 30 yards away from me in front of the bus. Called the wee boy over and started chatting the wee boy. And the wee boy came, and so the wee boy came back towards the bus to me. The two guys turned and walked out again. So I said to the wee boy, said, what? what's them boys want? He said, no, them boys were up to question you. He says, but don't you worry, we put a good word on for you. We, we told them when you were and told them where you were taking us out to Ganaway and all, out to, out to do the outdoor pursuits and all. They told us, no, that's all right. He says, they just wanted to know who you were waiting on the bus and all. That was the first time it kind of really hit home the fact that, right, this is a tit for tat. And then when we started to think about it, there was kind of four Catholic young fellas in their early 20s sitting in porter cabins in the middle of a field. And counted down, and the tit for tat shootings were going on. We thought, right, this is it. Where we actually had a like a an emergency drill. If somebody drives on and you're in another building, you hear a shot. What do you do? 
know where they run and the, which corner of the field they run because there's only one way in this field well you could have went down a wee path on the bridge and on the beach but once you drove in you had to pass them to get out on the main road so we up on the corner field and over the fields and how many fields we had across and it was like a, a multi-plan it was, people have a fire escape for a building well we had a right if a shit hits a fan this is where we go and this is where we wait and meet up I slept in one of the different port cans. I slept in a kind of store where out of the main office but two of the guys slept in rooms it was beside like Dan in it and Stephen slept in the main office <laughs> we used to joke right they're going to get used to first but there would have been a Friday night we'd have been sitting in there watching the video you know maybe the group would leave at lunchtime on a Friday and our group might be on the Saturday morning so it wasn't worth us driving the whole way down to Derry to come the whole way back up so say it was me and Stephen was working on we had a set up watched the video Friday night and then went down to the youth club and collect them Saturday morning but we were sitting there on the night and if a car light or even heard anything outside it was straight there was like emergency door in the the unit. Did it ever happen? Did you ever make a bolt for that door? No, we we we, we always done a kind of like a dry run. So we'd all be sitting and sit right, right. So we try this right. We'll try it tomorrow night, and say it was you and turn around and says right. I'll call it, and we'd all be sitting. And it could have happened at the time, but you were kind of you knew it was going to happen. though next thing, go 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 go! Bolted out the door and we up the field. After one of the drills, we realised right we need a wee torch head up in this corner. Because once you get there, you know, the torch would have been handy. So we actually had a black, we tiny torch, like something you get out of a point shop, and a plastic bag in the top corner, left-hand corner of the field. And it was stuck on that, beside that lamppost. So whoever got up there had at least a torch to keep going. It got the stage where the t- t- protests were getting really bad, where we asked the youth clubs to intervene. Well, not intervene, to put a, basically, go and put a good word on first, your side. That, you know, tell them what we're doing. No harm ever came to us. And like it's, it's funny, even the the know there. Like I mean, minibus uh, again driving minibus and speeding, forty five and a thirty mile hour zone. So you know me, he's just in a world of my own chat and singing me all the way and next thing the blue lights. If we ever got stopped with police, we always just because it was a, a BB ground that we were on. The education board owned the huts, but the boys brigade owned the grounds. So some weekends we didn't have to work because the boys brigades would have their young people on. So when we get stopped, where do you work? Oh, no, the boys brigade camp there out in Malaya. And that's where we are. Oh, go ahead. This is more times it got me out of speeding fines than anything. Because it was their side of the church. Mm. Boys brigade. Oh, oh, you're out there in the camp. I look, look just watch your speed. Mm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And I mind one policeman saying to me, because I, I started to take Gavin up. And we were driving the other side of Bangor. And police pulled me over. As young people in the back there, uh, she said, you're going a bit faster. Where are you coming from? I said, I'm coming from the boys' camp there, the BB grounds out at Malaya. Oh, right, right, right. Just, you need to watch that speed. No, no, I don't think you'd be going that fast if you had your own children on. Oh, I said, oh, that's, that's my son there, look. He said, we kind of three-year-old there. That's, that's my son there. I think he was only two or three, just out of nappies. And somebody was holding him on the back. I said, that's my son there, look. Well, look, just, I said, look, I'm sorry about that. I just got excited with the kids and all that there. He let me go. This is an episode of the Hollywell Trust Testimony Series or Hollywell Podcast, where you can catch up on our on-demand service both on Apple Podcasts and at SoundCloud.com. You can catch up with episodes such as the Derek Murr Testimony. Uh, the fly was a week after the relief parade here in the city, and Simon Mowbray, the conductor of the Churchill, stood up at the 
before they played the first thing. It's just this first tune we're going to play. We played it for the first time last Saturday at the Apprentice Boys Parade. And it doesn't even cause a ripple. You know, it doesn't cause a security worries and all that was at the start. You know, how's it going to look? You know, bands coming and they crossing the guild hall, they, they, you know, with bass drums and uniforms and stuff. Just didn't even materialize. The Hollywell Stew Special Number One. Extern have been working with children and young people for almost 40 years. This is actually our 39th year. And we have always been quite innovative and tried to find interesting ways to engage young people. So we're trying to build peace by bringing children together from both sides of the community um, to go on a trip to Legoland. The project is called Learn More, Use Less. And it is a guide to reducing your risk to everyday environmental toxins. The artwork then will be displayed throughout various points of our city for people still remaining in those abusive relationships. And a very popular testimony interview with James King and Eamon O'Donnell. Another woman came by and said, you'll never be bored. Yeah. What, how, we are never bored, we are never bored, we never, never, never bored. Download and stream these episodes for free on our SoundCloud page. Just go to soundcloud.com and look for Hollywell Trust. Or on our Apple Podcast page, just look for Hollywell Trust. This podcast is funded by the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, and co-funded by the Derry City and Strabane District Council and the Community Relations Council. When you were doing that work, did you see it as work that gave young people opportunities to get away oh, from we the troubles? Oh, we had a doubt. When I came back down to Derry, you started to get involved with the youth clubs where you take the young people down to Bunkrana or down to Kaldaf Clayman or down to McConnell House for residentials with Dennis working back working with Youthways and that there and the riding had eased off and it was more this kind of suicide and the drugs but you still had the people who were up at town and all doing a message and you know you could see people or you knew people from certain areas that were saying look there's more to life than going this way and I know for a fact I'd say it was probably Youthways that initially stopped me from going any further mm-hmm. I can I can never put my hand in my heart to say it was Youthways so what what was that in Youthways? You know, is it you talking to Woolley? Is it you talking to him and Dean or Terry McCluskey? Or I think give, give me the confidence to realise, you know, to talk and realise the fact that look, I can be doing more with your life. What's my life? Mm-hmm. No, and because you had them talks, you no, know, you had the wee group sessions. You're sitting going, well, no, why are you doing this and why are you doing that? And okay, right there, you know why, right? No, so I enjoy it and. He panned it off a lot of times, but when he sat and started to think about it, then go, oh, fuck, like, if I do that, that's my man, I see me, maybe 10 years doing that inside for 10 years, 10 years of my life. Oh, do I really want to do it that way? Can I not do something else? Thankfully, I didn't go down that line, because what I was able to do then, when I came back to Dundee and working with the youth clubs, I felt I was giving the young people the opportunity to get away. We'll go away and get a bit of crack going. And and you can see certain programmes that was introduced from all this peace and re- reconciliation money, the likes of Off the Streets, which is still going. We were meeting a group at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock at night? At night. Yeah. And leaving them back maybe at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Just so they weren't getting involved in antisocial behaviour or, or drinking. And with the rules are strict. Look, if we think 
Gary Vim been drinking or we smell the coffee, you're not going out. And where would you take, say, take a group at 11 o'clock at night? You'd take them kayaking? We kayaked down the foil and the pitch black. Brilliant. And what we did, and the easiest way we done it was the glow sticks. You snap and they glow. They last for about four or five hours. Well, the whole thing was that it was there, and I said, we, we'd give the programme there where, so if we're going to paddle down the foil, how are we getting the boats down there? Oh, you just get them in the trailer, right? I'm not taking them off a trailer. So you just spend maybe out of that four, five, six hours, they had to organise it, right? Have we enough boats in the trailer? Because one of the first things we went to do it, we had enough boats. And as far as health and safety goes, oh, no, no, you can't put that many in the boat. So there's actually four people left standing at the side. So what they agreed as a group was that they just go out and take turns out and across. So the next time when we wanted to plan a trip down the foil at night, they made it more effort and put it all in. And you could see them being roped in. Mm-hmm. No, this is our project, this is us. Now, don't get me wrong, one's there sitting, landing, coming up to two houses knocked on the one, a community centre in, in Gallia, where they're carried. No, the off-lights and closes at 11 o'clock. So they get their carried at half ten, they're walking up, they put it on their flat round the corner for when they got back. But nine times at ten they were that tired, it might have been a walk over Benevna or a coastal walk right down on the Volcaran along the beach there. An hour's drive down, three hour walk, an hour back. Oh, it was brilliant. Mm. And taking them out of that situation, mm. it might not have been the rise, but it might have been just antisocial or drinking. By the time they got back, you know, you'd say to them the following week, well, how do you get on with your carry? Oh, for God's sake, sir, Mickey was sleeping an hour when we got back, sir. He went home to his man. You no, know, because they were that tired, the whole thing of staying up all night and drinking their 24 cans never happened. Mm. And I I know, like, through the years of experience, I have a people coming up to me and thanking me. Oh, Jesus, you took me away when I was in school. Well, I've got the stage now, man. When you get up, I'm 50. I've got my granddad says you took him away. The granddad might only be 30 something, <laughs> but because of that, and, and so it is. <laughs> no, they're coming up to me and say, My great granddad. <laughs> uh, he was in your threes, you had him in your threes. That's what happens. And it, it, for me, the thought of doing that, and like I've got this taste now, people say to me, oh you took me away when I was in primary school, you took me away then. Or like recently I've done a first aid course for Andy McAloon and his staff. Who you seen Andy McAloon? Andy McAloon would have worked with Paddy Grant and that in outdoors years ago, but he's went on the social services side, okay. which is another young fellow who could have been as easy in the troubles, had a, a, a big kind of Republican background, went down the outdoor side, seen what how the outdoors and social work with young people could think and start his basically his own business there. So he had a staff and because I do first aid training, mm. he brought them up. And there's this guy came in the door, he must have been six four. But he looked like a nice rugby player actually because I gave him a stick about. He says, You don't know who I am, do you? And I says, But I have a clue who you are. He says, When I was twelve, he says, You took me in a summer camp down in Lama Valley. He says, And you staked me out and covered me in waste food. And I'm sitting sweating and here going, oh. I says, but, 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 I says, stop it, kiddo. Ah, they were good, out there. He says, you know what, they were. And I started to ask people, and they say, when you took me away, I said, look, you mind me taking you away. What part do you remember? 
was it the fact that he never got kegging before and I was a person took a kegging or took a climbing and I went no the crack we had so see mm. getting away from the town or getting out of the, out of the street and mm. going away mm. and it's because his, his thing alright it might have been a, a negative thing of being staked out but he loved it it's a memory that'll stay with him for the rest mm. of his life was that week that he had away and I'm part of that so for the likes of and people ask me would you ever I wouldn't change me my childhood growing up through the troubles and maybe I am one of the lucky ones no I didn't take that step recently I started to do goal setting I've set small goals achieve goals then you realise right, I can do this mm. and it's one of the big things I've started even pushing my own kids well, like I've Danny now or Megan tries leaving school and she's under pressure at school once or they apply to universities and I've actually read out my number in a piece of paper and says look see the next teacher gives you bother give her that tell her to ring me because you're not going to university because she doesn't want to go it's not because I want them to take a year out mm. I've seen see we work on with young people and, and coming through all that there where Gavin my, my other boy he left school done his O levels and his three closest friends went off to university and I said to Gavin look do you want to but I don't know what to do well then you're not going no, take a year out and decide what you want to do and I'll support you for another year like it's not no the three boys are back two works for a call centre and one guy works up in game in the Christmas centre Gavin's in New Zealand Gavin's in New Zealand no and he's doing a job that he loves and enjoys two of the boys done a, a, a degree in English literature and the other guy I think it was history or something I don't know what they intended to do with them well, maybe at the time they had their own ideas but now they're working in call centres because they have a, a degree where Gavin he has his degree in outdoor education and geography but he's doing a job that he loves I'm saying to Megan you don't know what you want to do pet so what's the point of going take a year out and I will support you're not saying don't go to university oh, you're saying take there's no rush. Time, no rush there's no rush no if Megan wants to go next year or even the year after that as long as she does and this is what I said there this, she says four months now to do for her levels or A-levels sorry I said get your A-levels done that's all I want to do four more months of work and the last day of your school me and you go out and we'll party all day and all night I says and then you've got a full year or two years and if you want to go back or you might become one of these entrepreneurs and make your millions I says as long as you look after me then you won't have to go to university when I was growing up you know, there's so many people out there that I knew who didn't get a chance it might have been maybe they put on side and done time or if they were shot or if they had to leave home you know, go on the run like there's people went on the run and moved to Cork and moved away and, and never came back to Derry and my thing was always about if I can help and do something for other people but it doesn't hurt me then why not and just to be out there and do something and enjoy it for my kids as I don't want them stuck in the job Teresa you know Teresa my wife 16 years she was in Essex she hated it now she's in a job that she absolutely loves and keeps and regrets having the 16 years but at that time when, when we left school you had to get a job had to get a job had to get a job for women it was, it was really handy because the factories just took them on hand over fist for men you had a like anybody in, in a factory job and most of the factories in Derry 
had a bit of education. I wasn't the sharpest pencil in the box, like, but of dyslexia, not one to be at school, usual kind of thing. I ended up going back to school when I was 30 something to get a third level education. It's all them wee things that I've realised the fact that just do what you want to do as long as you're not hurting somebody now mm. and annoying people. If you want to do it, do it. When you look back, I think the answer to my question is going to be yes, but the question is in the work you've done, you've been doing, do you think that you have been contributing to peace building? I'd say I would have because a lot of stuff that we started to do, and maybe the only reason we got doing it was because there's other people out there contributing and making the money and the grants, like the peace and records, sale as I can say word, <laughs> money was there. But what we would have done was the EMU crowd, right? Mm. And we would have worked, when I worked with Joe in that, we would have went round all the Protestant schools and Catholic schools and took a, maybe two classes out of each school. And out of that class, we made have picked five, six people. So where we ended up, maybe over a period of two or three months, we went through eight, nine hundred young people and sex for secondary school first second year and ended whittled it down over residentials seeing how their personality was how they communicated with other people where we ended up then with a group of 60 young people from Protestant Catholic areas 60 mm. mm -hmm. now this is I'd say this would be kind of late 89s 90s you no know? mm -hmm. and what we done then was we'd have took them away for full week residential maybe three small groups, so three groups of 20, 10 Catholics, 10 Protestants. And we hated saying that I've got 10 Catholics and 10 Protestants. They also were taking 20 young people away. Mm. Brilliant, yeah. And we had done three big residentials where we whittled it down then to 45 and we were going to take 40 to Europe to PGL. That's like an outdoor company. And basically you land at their camp and they do a full nine, ten days. Who's funding that, John? Who's the Western Board sponsored some money to it. There was money there from Peace and Reconciliation, but the young people had to fund their travel money. We got mm. money for PGL because it was an organisation, but they get there on the ferry and buses up. As part of it, we got the, the kids, Catholic and Protestants, to go back to their own communities. Now, we give them ideas, the likes of maybe a car wash at the community centre or uh, they no, did their own fundraising uh, and no responsibility uh, for themselves because if they wanted to go yeah. they wanted to go and one of the one of the big events that we had at the end of, of the time before they went away was we had a, a an auction where we invited the kids families to come and meet their other families so the young people turn and say oh, this is Eamon mm. this is he's going to thing with us so the parents got to meet and we kind of the likes of the Everglades you know like a hotel it was the Everglades because it was kind of a posh part and we knew the manager so we got a room for kind of five or six hours and what we got the kids to do was get local businessmen to put up a prize and we basically had a raffle so we got all the parents out from both sides of community community leaders out and we'd have done a whole slideshow going look this is where we started we started with nearly nine thousand nine hundred thousand kids showed them photographs of the residentials everything from washing dishes to kayaking to climbing to team games and that and this is what we have now so we've got 45 young people, we've got 40 that's definitely going, and five on reserve. And how we did that, we, we got the young people and they vote for each other too. It wasn't just the fact that us as leaders picked them because they were good crack. We got down to the 60 and then people voted for each other. And 
it was really funny because what we realised and I think people weren't voting for their friend if their friend was one of the people they could vote for they had already made a new friend so they're voting for somebody else and it might have been a Catholic it might have been a Protestant mm. but because it was a secret ballot they didn't nobody know knew. nobody knew mm. and we ended up with a group, good bunch of young people they raised their money parents got to meet parents so a lot of these guys from St Joe's or St Cecilia's parents from there who are on the height of Craigan coming across and meeting parents from New Buildings or Eglinton and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. As you say they're kind of doing a bit, I think them time of early stages was the early seeds. Now, I'm not saying oh that was me I done that. At the time it was just let's get these young people away and mm. it was all to get the young people away. Mm. And that's what I loved about it. No. Mm. And uh, to me it was not this Catholic Protestant and we're doing this and we're doing this because it's good and right. It's, I'm giving these young people a chance to do mm. something that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And Sorry, Which go you also got, you, I suppose, in, in, in going into youth place, you got a chance. Oh, I. I stayed with you, John. I mean, aye, you're talking 34 years later. Oh, I. You're living this. Aye. Yeah. And the, the thing, with, thing with me is, uh, now as you get on, the body's not as adapted to it. No. Where sitting for three or four hours out in a cold lake in the middle of the winter. Gets a wee bit more annoying, especially in the backside with the bones and that's all going. For the young people, I'll not show that. I'll turn around and say, right, let's go, let's get a banner and keep them going. My experience is that being able to communicate, come down to their level. No, if they tell you to fuck off, then there's a reason they're telling you to fuck off. No, it's not the kind of, what did you say? Did you tell me to F off? See, can't just splash them. And that's the one good thing about outdoor pursuits. See if somebody really got in their tits, really annoyed you, just knock them over in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you fall in? Oh, sorry, do you want me to help you out? Oh, my back and all, I don't think I could help. And the longer they're sitting in the water, and it's, and what? Who's the best instructor that you know? Oh, poor Skippy back and I see, I knew you like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this thing, and that idea that uh, using ports as a South African name, it's, it still works for me. Mm. Like I had a wee group of scout leaders down. And the scout leader told why how did he get porch? So just for a bit of crack, I told her that story. Oh, she started crying. Oh. And this is recently. This was about two or three years ago. And <coughs> she started crying. I started to feel bad. She says, but do you not think it's no, poor Tata, boatman or sailor? And you've actually grown up because you were, oh, that's just so, and you've put your life back into helping all the young people. You're taking them out in boats. Oh, that's just, and she was nearly in tears. <laughs> so on the Sunday end, because it was a, a, a scout group, and Sunday she was going, and I said, look, Isabel, say to be honest, that story's bullshit, that was made up. Oh, well, and then she chased me around the bus, tiny battery. <laughs> she said, bully me, shaky, you know. <laughs> she run around, and I couldn't stop laughing, and the kids were on the bus watching her run around after me. Um. They got there, but she rang me in two or three days later, she says, look, thanks very much, this is a great time and all that there. She says, I can't believe I got caught. And I told her then the reason where it come. And she says, no, she says, that's brilliantly. John Porter, thanks very much for making that time. And I need also to thank our funders, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council, and finally, We must also mention the Community Relations Council. Thank you all, and John Porter, thank you once again. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages. On Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust, and on Twitter, it's at Hollywell Tea.